Blog Talk Radio. Muli bonje, muli bonje. Lord of House. Nina endo kula miji. Okay. Waone te komeno, waone te komeno. Smile and wave. It's light camera action. Mwine fili mundine, I'm the icon. Nibazi la kuhone kafuleshi, allergic to messi. Motoka nimbama, nobody touch me. But if you need a nigga, had a conviction planted by the maker, saying you vega. There's only one truth you can use to navigate your way and produce fruit. Content with accessorizing and pleasing these human eyes when their hearts are so full of lies and don't value what is inside. But show me what's in your heart Show me Show me what's in your soul Show me Ukavalika imwa mutrauzasi Uche inkala muntu Uluwari insali na zelu Akakamba chizungu Ukapaka sauti pamanyua Uche ingala ndiyo Ngati uli na dredi nishi ube machamba Judge when they see you Ukangala na ringi na line up Uche nitikwati Yene inayamba na maswiri Halo sweetheart Kupati ati kuchechi Nikwa wanzube nebali bechimu We all feel Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, and welcome to Zambia Block Talk Radio. It is Saturday, October 10th, 2020. I don't know, some people are putting stuff on social media about uh, uh, how special these numbers are. Roger, 10-10-2020. I mean, uh, people always do things like that. Welcome to the show. It's 9.02 a.m. Uh, Central Standard Time. It's 3.02 p.m. in uh, our friends in Europe and uh, 1,600 hours in Zambia. Welcome to the show. We do thank you for joining us today and taking the time to to hear what things we have to do and talk about and discuss and deal with this morning, evening, afternoon, whichever part of the world you are listening from. Uh, there's a lot of stuff to unlock, to unbundle, but today we are talking business, entrepreneurship, diaspora, stepping out, investing, and doing all those uncomfortable things uh, that are not easy to step into. Uh, our friends in the north, good morning. Good morning, Nathan. Uh, we are getting a little bit cold here. Uh, but uh-huh. what is new? Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying here we go. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you guys are beginning to get caught there, then we need to brace ourselves. Anyway, it should be expected because the temperatures here have been in the 70s and 60s. And you know, for us, that's cold, so to speak. Okay. That is calamity. <laughs> Yeah, I know, I know. For us, that is calamity, but uh, for you guys there, like you keep saying, that's T-shirt uh, weather. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like that. 
Hi, Bella. Good morning, by Nathan. Good morning, Mr. Roger. How are you doing? Good morning, Mr. B. No, I'm doing well. Doing well. You're doing well. Uh, today we are in Atlanta talking to a Zambian with a brilliant mind and who has done some exceptional things. And uh, um, we're looking forward to this discussion. I am looking forward to this discussion to hear what uh, Henry has to say. Um, and I'm supposed to know this number, but for uh, 425-8608, good morning. Oh, good morning. This is Mabin. <laughs> oh, you see, that's why I said I'm supposed to know this number. Mr. Tsebuk, how are you? I'm doing really good, yeah. Uh, yeah, Roger, this is my brother in marriage. He's also a farmer, <laughs> so he's interested in this discussion. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. That's cool. <laughs> Where is he? <laughs> Seattle, Washington. Uh, but... mm-hmm. oh, okay, okay, wonderful. Uh, welcome, welcome, Baby. <laughs> it's good to have you today. I know uh, thank you're, you. going to ask, uh, you're going to have some questions for uh, Henry. Um, yeah, Matilda, sure. how's uh, Florida? Good morning, everyone. Good afternoon. Uh, for those listening in other places, Florida is fine. Thank you for asking. It's <laughs> mm. it's a crisp 86 degrees. <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> and one thing um, I'm looking forward to the guest. Our guest today mm-hmm. used to be my next door neighbor. We grew up as uh, friends when, when we, from the time we were in primary school. Oh, wow. oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> that's another label right that, there. That's a, yes, that's another label right there. We shall, we shall get to that and uh, to see what Henry has to share and what he has to say and uh, some of the things that he has done we need to learn. Because, you see, one of the things about uh, this country, everybody listening, is that whatever you are doing, there's always that concept of regulation, okay, regulations, city rules, state rules, federal rules, and uh, stuff like that. So you need to understand all those things before uh, you venture out into into anything or begin to do any business and uh, begin to move in that direction. Henry, please call in. Where are you? Where are you? Dr. Patrick, good morning. Moikalini, Moikalini in Duma. Hey, I'm going Moikalini, na ino Moikalini ku Carolina. Because the 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 election, the candidates for elections there, things are hot, Doctor Pat. Yes, very hot. <laughs> yeah, I could tell. I saw some news reports and I was like, oh wow, <laughs> this is going to be one. <laughs> That feeling the blanks word that we can't say. This is one going to be one of those hot races. Oh, we are yes. going to see, see. oh yeah. Yeah, we are going to see one of those uh, hot races there. So um we're, we're waiting for Henry to call in. Um the let me see here. As we uh, as we wait for Henry to come, um, 
Mr. Tsevuka, you also do some a bit of uh, farming. Uh, what sort of things do you grow? I saw those beautiful family pictures. You just harvested something. <laughs> so uh, t- tell us, what type of farming are you doing? Uh, well, I do pretty much everything. When uh-huh. I say everything, it's uh, uh, mine called the food forest. Meaning, food forest. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. I have veggies, I have fruit trees, I have, <laughs> I have uh, mulberry trees, so I have tons of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, my approach to farming, especially in the urban setting, is to make sure that the one it's attractive. So I always tell people that I grow food in beauty. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's just to pull people in because see, in an urban setting, they're always saying, you know, uh, there has to be an element of curb appeal. So that's mm-hmm. my approach. And then my focus is a little bit different because I realize that uh, vegetables, especially in the U.S., mm-hmm. uh, you can make some money, but not a lot, a lot, because it takes a lot to... To harvest yeah, vegetables, you have to have a lot of food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> keep okay. on, keep on. <laughs> All right. We can hear you. Yes. Sure. So, uh, my focus is really with the schools. What do I mean? I I've set it up in a way where you know I have a group from different schools. Uh, who come just as an education tool. But uh, in terms of, you know, generating income, that's where the real income is. Because each kid that comes in uh, is charged $10. And so you can imagine, like, in my my area, we have more than 20,000 to 25,000 students. That's just, you know within a radius of maybe uh, 10, 10 miles. I still oh, haven't talked okay. to other students. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Let me so stop you right there, Mr. Chibuka. Yeah. Um, let me stop you there. Our guest is here. Um, okay. Everybody joining us is uh, Mr. Henry Kamau. is the owner of Kamau Farms uh, based in Dawsonville, Georgia. I hope I said that rightly. Hi, Henry. Good morning, and thank you for joining us today. Good morning. You're welcome. Thank you for having me on today. I'm sorry for this late joining you today. No, we understand the life of a farmer. You probably rushed to the farm at 5 a.m. and then you decided to come back home. <laughs> so, Henry, let me begin by asking this question. So, where does your story start from? Did you grow up in a farming family, a business family? I mean, let's begin from there because we need to understand how you took this giant step of buying a farm in America. Who is Henry? Where does your story start from? <laughs> that is true. So, never grew up, um, my story starts from never grew up in a uh, farming family at all. I had, uh, you know, moments when I visited my uh, grandfather who had a farm, but it wasn't like I visited him every 
days was like maybe four times in my lifetime that I visited him at the farm, but never okay. did it occur to me that I would uh, actually end up owning a farm. Where, where was your grandfather's farm? Uh, in Zambia. In Zambia, okay. Rosaka, Ibex Hill. Uh-huh, uh-huh. What did he do yeah. on that farm? Uh, he he actually made uh, cooking oil from sunflower seeds. Okay. I remember that business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. yeah, and he had chickens and everything. But, um, yeah, I never ever even imagined that I would. And then um, I came here, of course. So in, in, in a nutshell... What happened was, um, I think it's uh, mind of a business man. <clears throat> so I came here, I started business. Uh, of course, uh, my first business is uh, the limousine service. Yeah. Right now is handicapped because of the coronavirus. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> yeah, but I started that, and uh, how I ended up at the farm is because. I came to a point where I wanted to get a house. Mm. And uh, the house that I wanted to get was the house that I was living in. Oh, okay. Um, I, I was renting that. And uh, I had an agreement with the person that I was renting it from that I was going to buy it. But apparently, my agreement went over uh, time. I was supposed to have bought it within five years, but I went over five years, and he said the house now became double the amount of money that I owed him. Oh. So I said, uh, if the house is double, I don't think that's going to happen. I might I might need to get uh, something different. So what I did was I thought uh, so if, this little piece of land is double. Mm-hmm. I need to get something within the same amount that actually makes sense. And that's how I got into farming. Mm. Okay. So you, you so then you started of course the usual process of stuff of searching, Reuters. Uh how did that go? how did you what what sort of steps did you take to to get to the farm where you are? Oh, yes. I, I um, obviously involved the person that was helping me try to find land. And I'll tell you, it's difficult to find land in uh, in Georgia. I don't know about the rest of the United States, but it's very difficult to find land in Georgia because they took me to places that they were showing me nothing but trees. Everything that I saw was trees. <laughs> and I told them, I'm not trying to buy trees. I'm trying to buy land. That's a good one. Yeah. So uh, the realtor person didn't even actually help me find the land. I found it myself because I just kept on driving. I kept on driving and looking for a place Mm -hmm. until I found the place and I called the realtor and um, told her about this place that I found. I think she actually hooked up with the person that was actually selling the place and mm-hmm. that's how I found it. And that's how I found it. It was uh it was a it was an effort that I put in so much 
than mm. actually somebody looking for the place for me. So that's how I found it. <laughs> Good stuff. So uh, you 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 get onto this land. What did you find? What what was on the land? What was on this land when you bought it? So it was um, it's fourteen acres, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, fourteen acres, and uh, about ten acres of it is nothing but pasture. Oh wow! Yes, nothing but pasture. It's clear. Uh, that's what was on it, and then uh, there's also obviously a house that I live in right now, mm-hmm. and there's also two apartments that I rent out. Oh wow! Yes, that's cool. Uh, so wh- when you when you buy this property, um, how what how did you determine what you were going to start doing with the land? Because I also want us to talk about. Um, like at the beginning of the show, in my introductory remarks, I mentioned things about the city statute, state regulations, and all those things. And uh, but tell us what, what, how did you decide what you were going to do with it? So, um, I think uh, I had decided before I even got on the property what I was going to do with it. I love mm-hmm. import. Like I'm, I'm just in love with import. You know, when I when I used to live in the city before I used to mm. live in the uh, at the farm, there was a store, a Nigerian store, which is still there, that had mm-hmm. import. And the guy actually came to find out that I loved import so much that when he got just two boxes of import, he called me first and said, "Henry, I've got import," and uh, I went and bought one whole box and left one box for everybody to buy. Oh wow. You in the store you went and you know the, the when stores you know like I'm not in the vegetable stores they put boxes mm-hmm. there so that people can pick right exactly so you bought the whole box unfortunately I was that greedy yes I bought one whole box and uh, cut off everybody and he knew that so he called me he called me before he could even actually start selling and I would okay. buy one box and he would leave one box to sell for everybody. So, so Henry is more Zambian than anybody else here. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> so okay. that that triggered that triggered it. I think that triggered it for some reason. It triggered yeah. the fact that you know, um, I love this stuff and I can't find it. It takes me about a year before I find it. How can I get into it? So. I thought about land, I thought about farming, and I thought about getting into the import. And when I got the farm, that was the actual initial idea. Was to grow import. Was to grow import. Was to grow import at the farm. And then when I got into farming, my neighbor started telling me, you know, the thing that we don't realize about farming is uh, it's a great idea. But the thing we don't realize is a money drainer. It okay. drains, yes, it drains your money, uh, which is okay. But I learned that as long as you have a niche mm. in what you're doing, you can succeed at farming. And I found out that import in the U.S. is actually a niche. Mm. Okay, like there's great demand for it, that's what you're saying. 
That's exactly what I'm saying. Wow. Okay, let's dwell on the import thing. There's a reason I want us to dwell on this, because my brother here from Seattle, Mr. Tsebuka, I tried to grow him to one, and he, he didn't, I, he will tell the story himself. So you, this import you brought from the Nigerian store was for consumption. Where did you get, how, how did you come up with a seed to grow import? Perfect question. I uh, came up with the seed straight from Zambia. Mm-hmm. Straight from Zambia, I bought the seeds. Uh, actually, my sister, who is in Zambia right now, uh, Cynthia Kamal Tembo, is the one that bought me the seeds. And those are the ones that I use to grow the import. And uh, eventually, I ended up using, you know, when the import gets too old and red, and mm. you, you get those seeds from them, I've also used those seeds. To, 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 to plant the impo as well, but I get them straight from Zambia. You get them straight from Zambia, okay. Yeah. Uh, okay, the, the conditions in which impo grows, of course, it's uh, I hope this is correct language. You can help me out here. Uh, we're talking, uh, what do we call it in, what do we call our, is it tropical or savanna? What's the right word? I'm trying to use you know, the climate. Mm-hmm. Yes, you, you, I know exactly what you're talking about. It might be uh, tropical, which is uh, the conditions in uh, in Zambia. But yeah. in the yes, in the U.S., it's very hard to grow imports. Had uh, a lot of people ask me how I've succeeded mm. in, in growing the import, and uh, I love to share the information. Which I would love please, to share please, right please now talk with about it because uh, uh, this is not uh, well, the pictures I'm looking at of your farm here. I wish I could share this on my Facebook page, but those of you who are listening, it, it it took you to make certain investments to make this a success, right? Like I'm telling you, that <laughs> I tried to go in, but it didn't work. So yeah. what did you do to make this crop begin to grow at commercial level, Roger? Commercial level. Yes. <laughs> so it, it, it's very simple and uh, I have told this to a lot of people that have tried to grow their crops one thing I realized when I got to the farm mm-hmm. I uh, first started with a garden just for consumption at the house in the first okay. year we started with a garden for consumption of import at the house and I realized that they were not doing so well so what did I do? I went to the extension office. Extension? Yes, extension office of uh, of my county. So okay. there's what is called an extension office of wherever you live, uh, especially if you're on the farm. Mm. You go to an extension office, and uh, I give them the, the sample. I give them six samples. I remember giving six samples of where I was going input. So I picked up a corner and a corner and another corner and I also this picked is, up You're talking about soil, right? Soil. I'm talking about yeah. soil, yes. Uh-huh. And I picked up some soil in the middle and they actually tested the soil and found out that it was not good for the growth of import. And they mm. advised me what I needed to do to make the soil optimum for the growth of import. Okay. 
So that's what you need to do. Uh, growing into the United States is very, very difficult. But you need to have your soul tested, and they will tell you, because Intua needs a certain pH for it to right. grow properly. So there so we I, go. Those of us yeah. who didn't like chemistry at school, yeah, there comes the pH test. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. So the extension office told me uh, what pH I needed. My pH was really low and acidic, but import needs a higher pH. And they told me what I needed to do. And uh, I think it would be right for anybody trying to grow import. You need high pH in the uh-huh. soil, which to make it higher, you need um, lime. They told me I needed to add lime to my soil. Mm-hmm. And I also needed to add potash. Potash could be added. Lime you could buy from Home Depot. But mm-hmm. potash, you could also buy potash from Home Depot. But I wanted it to be very organic. So I ended up uh, burning trees at my property. I cut down some trees and I burnt them. And I mixed mm-hmm. that ash with the soil to add potash. Mm. And before I planted the import, I uh, planted beans because the beans helps to put nitrogen into the soil. Mm. And you need nitrogen in, in the soil for the import to succeed, to, to grow well. Okay, so all this information was going was given to you by the extension officer, right? Yes, it was given to me by the extension officer. They, I, I, I sent them the samples of soil. They emailed me back, um, and I would love to share this with everybody online too. I could send you that when we're done with the conversation. But they emailed me back exactly what I needed in the soil, and mm-hmm. I started implementing that and. Uh, and that's how I saw a success. A lot of people that have been to the farm were like, how did you manage to grow this much import? And I shared that with them mm-hmm. just so that they know exactly what is involved. Henry, I'm looking at, I'm trying to visualize, because this is not a small garden. So you have to buy lime from, is it Home Depot? Uh, yes. Water, which you said you did organically by burning out, burning down trees. How yes. much investment of uh, lime are we talking about here? Because if you're going to put lime in a large piece of land, like you said, farming consumes a lot of money. I want right. you to address that. And then secondly, when you are cutting down trees, what city ordinances or rules did you have to observe? Um, I also want us to understand some city, county rules as as you are doing this. Correct. So I'll start with the. Uh, I have I have two portions of import. I have uh, a large portion in a greenhouse that is uh, thirty by eighty in dimension. In a greenhouse. Mm-hmm. Then I have another portion that's another maybe fifty by eighty outside. So city okay. ordinances, uh, first when I built the greenhouse, believe it or not, you're living on your property and you have to put up a greenhouse. I had to get a permit for that. Of course. That's yes. what I wanted to hear. Yeah. Correct. I had to get a permit for that. And uh, 
it wasn't easy because when I went to the county, they told me, all right, uh, these are the dimensions, these are the measurements that you need from your frontline property, backline, mm-hmm. and sideline. And I went and put up the greenhouse. And the county followed me after that. They said, uh, we didn't think your greenhouse was going to be this big. Your dimensions are small. <laughs> your dimensions <laughs> that you put are small. And um, so they fined me. They, 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 they fined me with a fee of uh, $300. And I had to reach out to every neighbor who is so far from me just for yeah. them to consent that the greenhouse is not bothering them. That's one oh. of the audiences. Okay. So if you're going to put up a greenhouse, even on your yard, you may want to consult your county before you do it. So why did they find you? I haven't gotten that far. They find you because the greenhouse was what? Too small? Because too it was big. too big. It was too big for the dimensions that they initially gave me. Okay. To to construct it, that I guess we had a misunderstanding. They thought I was just putting up a small greenhouse, and they gave me, all right, you're going to have to be 35 feet from your neighbor and 50 feet from the road. But when I actually put it up, they came to me and said, it's too big, it needs to be so far out. So we need to find out from all your neighbors. And I'm talking about neighbors that are so far out. But it's the way of the government making money. <laughs> of course. Yes, it's the way of, of the course. government making money. Those were the city ordinances. And uh, other than that, uh, the line, you asked about the line. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say I spent so much money in the line. I think it was, if I can remember, it was just about four bags of line at $15 a piece. So really okay. under $100. Of line that I had to use mm. for, for the whole garden. Uh, before I let the, the other my other colleagues and people who have called in here, uh, my 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 next question on the import is: uh, Do you grow them year round or just particular time of the year? Good question. Um, so. Uh, everybody listening, I want you to know that <laughs> Kamau Farm has only been commercial this year. Mm. So I, uh, I moved to the farm two and a half years ago, which was in 2018. Yes. And I've only become commercial with the import every product that I have at the farm, which is the chickens and the eggs and the goats. I also had chihuahua, which we ran out of season with that because of the weather. But I've only been commercial in 2020, and I am actually trying to figure that out. I'm Mm. trying to figure out the fact if I'm going to... uh, That was the idea of having the greenhouse and also Mm -hmm. having them outside so that I could uh, figure it out how to have the import all year round. Oh, yeah, round. Okay. And that mm-hmm. comes in with uh, a lot of expenses, of course, because the greenhouse right now is covered, of course, but it's not heated. Now I'm figuring uh-huh. out how to heat it up 
so that I could I could have some input advice during the winter. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Everybody, we're talking to Mr. Henry Kamau. He's the owner of Kamau Farms in Brownsville. Uh, this is somewhere in Atlanta, Georgia, there. Brownsville, Brownsville, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, those of you with questions here, you're a farmer yourself, and I know you want to ask Henry some questions, uh, our friends in the north, and... Uh, Tell our listeners as other people jump in to to ask their questions. What else do you do at the farm? Um, I I have um, and that was that was a question for me, right, Mr. Nathan? Yes, yes, yes. So the other thing that I do at the farm, apart from vegetables, which is empire and uh, chihuahua, we also have some lumanda. And some hot peppers. <laughs> but the other thing that I do is uh, goats. I have a lot of goats at the farm. And um, we actually have customers that come to buy and we prepare the goats at the farm. Uh, we don't sell pieces, but we sell a whole goat right now because I just oh, haven't okay. figured out how to, to to package it into pieces and sell it to Yes. Eventually, eventually, you're going to buy a processing plant. That's the part I wanted Roger to hear, the goat part of it. That's why I asked you that question. I have a lot yes, of goats yes. at the farm now. <laughs> <laughs> so those with questions, uh, should we begin in Canada or in Seattle? I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's both the north. It doesn't matter. Oh, to the north. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead with your question. <laughs> no, brother from Seattle can go ahead. We are all the go ahead with whatever you okay. want to mm. Well, for me, it's pretty much covered everything because uh, it's almost like we have the same mind, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm very passionate about the import too, just because of. Uh, uh, my 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 story way back in Zambia, how I did the Impua Garden uh, at the Bible school, and now we transformed mm-hmm. the, uh, the Bible school in the sense of uh, producing their own food to uh, feed to the cafeteria. But it, it, uh, when I moved here, uh, before I got this piece of land, I also wanted to grow Impua, and uh, last year actually. Maybe last year. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, last year I got some seeds from Zambia. Uh, mm-hmm. I tried just on a small scale, but because mm-hmm. uh, in the Pacific Northwest, you know, the the the, uh, the weather is kind of uh, challenging because we have such a short, warm weather. And when mm-hmm. I began, I didn't have a I didn't have a greenhouse, and like my brother said, you know, the greenhouse has to be heated. And when I constructed my greenhouse, it wasn't heated. So you have the challenge of how to start the seedlings. But the the most important thing for me, especially this year, which I think uh, my brother Henry has already alluded to, is uh, Mm -hmm. I grew lots of impua. uh, But once again, because I started late, they, you know, 
the plant grew bigger, but they were not producing the fruit. And right now, as I'm saying, that's when they are beginning to produce fruit. And it's almost too late because now we are getting into, you know, uh, uh, the fourth season. So, so, uh-huh. <laughs> so that's a very interesting uh, concept we being right there. So, <laughs> Henry, the plants grew big. They were, they were not producing fruit. What, what was the issue there? So you might have had a lot more uh, manure or maybe even fertilizer into the soil. Um, you, you don't want to have so much uh, fertilizer, especially. Uh, I've noticed when I used some fertilizer on the outside of the greenhouse import, they started mm-hmm. shooting up so much, but then mm-hmm. they would not produce fruit. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if instead of fertilizer, you you want to make sure that the pH of the soil is correct, and uh, they'll grow to a normal size and actually produce fruit. I I had. Uh, some import outside that I had fertilizer in and some that I didn't have fertilizer in, but I had manure. I had chicken manure. Chicken manure, very, very nice for import. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Good. And uh, they didn't grow but up to the knee level, and they produced mm. fruit. Mm. Good. Yeah, so next year I'll definitely pay more attention. <laughs> yeah. And try yeah. to find some chicken manure. Try to find the person with a oh. chicken house and go and gather up the chicken manure. This is something that I do. I have neighbors maybe 10 miles away from me that have chicken houses. Wish I have a chicken house, but I don't have that much manure that I need. So I go and gather up the manure and mix it in the ground. Uh, lately, I've actually just put it on top of uh, the the the, the roots mm-hmm. without even mixing it because I already have the input in there, and that helps mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. Okay. Um, but look, if you don't have anything else, Roger. Hello, Wakamau. Uh, Roger here. You and I were supposed to do a live show, if you remember. Back in the day, yes, from Canada. Um, yes, 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 yes. Yes, I'm, I'm not okay, sure that'll what be the happened. Next show. But it, that'll be the next show. Yeah, I'm sure we're going to do a live one. Yeah, yeah, yeah because um, again, like Nathan said, my interest was uh, more uh, in goats. Uh, tell our viewers, like Mao, um, so far, how many how many goats did you start with, and how many do you have right now? And for how long have you been keeping the goats? I love your questions. You are so real time. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're so real time because, like I said, I've only been in farming for two and a half years, so I mm-hmm. I remember um, when I started the goats. I went and bought four goats. I went and bought uh, one billy goat, which is a male goat. They call it a billy. And three does, which are female goats. And then uh, one day I was driving to my farm, and I saw a lot of goats at one property. So I stopped and asked this person, 
uh, if he was selling any, and he told me he was selling all of them. So wow. within a month, I had four goats, and then he said he was selling all of them, and he had 21 goats, and I bought 21 goats from him. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes. That was aggressive. <laughs> yeah, it was really aggressive, and uh, maybe I am aggressive, but I don't think I'm aggressive as much. I need to be a little bit more aggressive. So I went and yeah. bought the 21 goats from him, and within a month, I had uh, 25 goats. And within a few months, I showed up to almost 60 goats because they started giving birth. Hmm. From 25 to 60? To 60 goats. And I've almost maintained that number even when I've been selling the goats because goats give birth every... Five months. <laughs> oh, wow. really? Wow. Yes. Every five months they give birth. And um, so you have, and then um, since you're interested in God, I will tell you this. I don't know if you already know this. Um, when the thing that I found out about goats right now is you do not want to sell the female goats. You want to sell the male goats. Mm. Mm. Interesting. But Roger, I know you're taking notes on the goat questions, Ka. You, you know that, Miss Ruka. <laughs> you know that. <laughs> <laughs> Henry, this is your sister here, Matilda. Shani. <laughs> We're not sad, Matilda. I just talked to you a week ago. <laughs> yes, that's right. So uh, thank you for telling your story on, on radio. This uh, It's a lot of information that a lot of us have learned. I want to take you back to uh, when you were purchasing your land, when you, make, when you made that transition to say, okay, you know what, I might as well just buy this farmland or this, um, you know, farm. Were you originally looking for agriculture, a piece of land? Because I know prices uh, in terms of buying a house in the city and buying a house in the farmland, there's a difference. For those who don't know, it's sometimes Sometimes, depending on where you are, it can be cheaper to buy uh, farmland than buying land in the city to build. So were you intentionally looking for agriculture land or just happened that um, that's what you found? And when you found it, did you have to change zonings to make it com- um, agriculture or, you know, commercial agriculture land mm-hmm. zoning? Um Yes, yes. I'll, I'll answer your question in two parts. So in, in, initially, when I was buying the property, uh, I was looking for land. I, I just thought, you know, if I'm going to buy a house, it's going to pay for itself. Mm. You know, I didn't want to have to hustle, which I still do, um, to pay mortgage. But I thought if I'm going to buy a house in the city, and continue hustling, the concept to me was just not making sense where I had to buy a big house in the city for three, $400,000 and keep on working so much to pay for it. Mm-hmm. So I thought, why not buy a piece of land that I will produce fruits and vegetables and animals on it so that that could actually 
pay for itself. That was my initial concept. And when I uh, actually felt comfortable with that concept, I went out and started looking for agriculture land. And it was that, it was that, quite that's how, like, that's how it's designated agricultural land, right? It is designated as agricultural land. So what land? Uh, when when I actually found it, uh, the zoning part that Matilda asked, uh, they actually will give you the zoning information. So they told me that uh, you could have anything on this land apart from. Um, uh, I hate to say this because I don't like killing animals, but it happens. But apart from killing animals, so I had to get a zoning for that. Uh, explain apart from killing animals. You have goats. You I have goats, so. yes. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so when I actually went, uh, bought the land, they told me that this land is zoned um AG, they call it, I think, AG for agriculture or something. Mm-hmm. But, but you would not be able to actually process animals at the land. Okay. If you needed to process animals, you would take your animals to another place that is processed, that, that is actually zoned AG, uh, not AG, but to, to, to process animals. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. So if a person wants to buy a goat, like Mutwipai Lekwembushi type of a thing, you do they buy the goat and go elsewhere, or do you make arrangements for them? I mean, I'm curious. I, I had to go back to the zoning department, uh, Dawson County, to have them approve me to do that. So we actually do oh. that at the property. That is fantastic. Mm-hmm. My last question is... to love Zambia Wakamau. Yes. You know, zoning this, zoning that. Come on, you just have your land. That's it. Everything is zoned there. That's it. That's it. Uh, but, you know, and, my uh, words have told me on that one. <laughs> it's not true. <laughs> it's what we believe, but it's not true. <laughs> you know, well, you know, and then uh, you have to love the process, especially here. You don't want to not be in favor or with the rules. You know, because they will get you. So yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, that yeah. I figure out, I have to go to them, and I found out that I've actually acquired, I acquired a business license that I didn't need, and I just canceled it yesterday. They told me that uh, because you're a farmer, you don't need a business license. There you go. You see, Henry, I'm glad you said that because everybody, part of the reason for us to do this discussion with Henry, of course, is to encourage, steer, motivate ourselves about stepping out into uncharted territory of farming and all that stuff. But it's also to understand the process of regulatory process in this country. Mm -hmm. It's very Mm -hmm. important. I know a lot of people, Henry, and you know this too, who get in trouble with the city, county, and all those kind of things. Because I know, like Roger is saying, it sounds like a joke, but it's serious. Like back home, you just do stuff. Back yeah. home, the issue is the rule of law situation is just a broken down system. Thank you to our leaders, so to speak. 
it's me saying that. It's not Henry, okay? I'm taking responsibility for that statement. Henry, people, we, we need to boost and push you. You and I had a conversation about uh, you selling, start, um, selling the farm produce. Uh, if people want to get things from you, I have my auntie uh, Chapoloco in, I think, Pennsylvania. She's very interested in buying import from you. What should she do? So the process right now, and uh, thank you for actually getting to that point, because uh, when the story went viral on Facebook Mm -hmm. that I have import, believe it or not, I had, I would say, over a thousand calls from the U.S. (laughs) And, you know, and the idea has always been, to be the number one, I told my sister this and she really laughed. I told her that I want to be the number one supplier of import in the U.S. so much that I could even ship some of the import to Zambia if they need it. Mm. And that yeah, you, know, exactly. in, you know, in Zambia they import everything, they import fish from <laughs> China. So. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what happened, uh, you know. So, my, um, I have about over 400 plants of import at my property, and I realized that when the when it went viral, I realized that it was actually not enough for the whole U.S. Wow. So now okay. um, mm-hmm. we, we, we started getting into a situation where we were so back-ordered, and I'm still there. Um, and because of the weather, we are actually harvesting once a week instead of harvesting twice a week. So what I'm doing when people want to order in for, mm-hmm. I'm going with when the order comes in. So. Say, Mr. Nesson, you call me and say, I want import right now. I will put out the date and the time, and you will be that far down the the list because I've had people order import yesterday and last week, and we're going down the list just like that. Okay. Now, here's my next question. Uh, Of course, the import has to be shipped to to wherever the person is residing, right? Correct. What's the minimum quantity that somebody can buy? You, you have a minimum or it doesn't matter, even a small little packet for lunch or whatever? What's the minimum? Well, you're, you're asking questions like you, you, you work with me at the farm. <laughs> <laughs> What's the minimum? Mm. So initially I started out with no minimum. Uh, We were shipping out whatever somebody, however many pounds that somebody wanted. Yes. And uh, because of that, uh, and because of everything involved, Mother Nature, uh, the weather, the harvesting season period, uh, I found out that everybody's not going to have a taste of the import if Mm. somebody orders 30 pounds. You know, then I have to wait so long to satisfy another 30 people. Mm. So I reduced the minimum because of 
the, the, the size of the import that I have to only three pounds. And three pounds looks like about 45, about 50, give or take import. Okay. All right. Before we, 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 we have Dr. Patrick One more question. We have Dr. Patrick. Wait, Matilda. We have seven minutes. Dr. Patrick wants to say something or ask a question. Okay. All right. Okay, my brother. Put your <clears throat> your regulatory cap on because I'm going to ask you some questions that I want you to consider uh, going forward. Yes, now you yes, you've heard of good manufacturing practices, right? Correct. Okay. Have you been in contact with the US Department of Agriculture? Um Okay. This is this is this is what I want you to do. For information purposes, I want you to contact <clears throat> APHIS, that's Animal Plant Health Inspection Service, APHIS, Animal mm-hmm. Health Plant Inspection Service. And when you call them, let them know that you are considering um, raising and selling goats, and what you would like to do is talk to one of the inspectors or the division that's responsible for it. Because you're seeking information. If you tell them you're you're raising and selling goats, goats, then you may get a, a impromptu visit. You're going to be visited once uh, eventually, so I'm letting you know that you'll be ready for this visit. But you want to find out as as um, as studiously as you. Uh, spoken on the phone and what you did with respect to the to the uh, manure and what you did with the potash, all of this that you've done, I want you to record it. Meaning when you bought it, when you laid it, uh, when you bought the goats, who you bought the goats from, uh, the birth of the goats, uh, when uh, uh, how many goats are born, you and you said about every six months or thereabouts. I want you to record this. All of this is your good manufacturing practices, and that way you'll document it. Because when you're visited, they will ask you these questions, and you need to have the paperwork in order to show them that you're raising um, sellable goats. Uh, another thing is get in get into this practice because when you expand, and I, I think I heard you talking about expanding to selling goats internationally abroad and in Zambia, you already have this practice in hand, and therefore you can explain this and discuss this to your brothers and sisters in Zambia that's selling uh, or buying goat goat, um, products or selling and buying goat meat products. All of this information will help you in the future. So as, as soon as you get this down and you have your paperwork, <clears throat> you'll, you'll be on the regulatory road without any problems in the future. Correct. And that's uh, exactly what I intend to do because 
uh, like you mentioned, they will visit me, and they have visited me, um, not voluntarily, but uh-huh. I have called them to come to the farm uh, just when I'm putting up stuff. But I know they will visit me uh, in regards to what you are saying, and I have thought about that, but I haven't done it yet. So I'm glad that you mentioned it. Um, yeah, do it. Do it yesterday. Do it yesterday. Do it immediately. Yes, and you know there's a difference between state authorities and federal authorities. And if you meet the federal authority standards, you automatic well not automatically, but you're 99 percent along the way of meeting state authorities. So when you hang up or this Monday, start making the the calls and getting your documentations in order. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Excellent. Yes, I will. I will definitely do that because I I did. Uh, somebody visited me. He wasn't from the government, so just the person that wants to do business with me. And uh, he mentioned that he does have the USDA, uh, whatever that uh, acronym is, but uh, mm. he has that authority to sell meat that is labeled a certain way by the government. And he could sell it to, yes. And uh, I think that's what you're alluding to, and uh, I I will look into that so that I could actually have that myself. Mm, That's good. Excellent. Okay, everybody, this was Henry. This was Henry Kamau, our guest today. Henry, if people in the West, East, North, Mr. Tsebuka wants to get in touch with you, what should they do? Uh, give them my number. Best way to get in touch with me would be uh, by text. And uh, okay. I may not respond to the text immediately because I like to keep them unopened until I actually get to them and put them in my database, make sure that we are able to provide the product that they want. So, Give them my number, text me uh, with any questions, and if you want to order import, text me with that, and I will make sure that you are in line for the next shipment. Excellent. So the number for Henry for you to take, 404 uh, that's the number everybody wants to order. Wow, Henry, we have one more interview remaining. That's on Zoom and uh, on ZBTR TV. Thank you. Thank you, my brother. You are so welcome. Thank you for having me. And uh, with a Canada interview, I'm sure you're still on the line. We'll do it. Too. Yeah. Yes, Excellent. yes. Uh, very, okay. very soon. Probably yes. next week, yeah. Sunday. Everybody, yes. let's go back in. We'll be talking about the plunging kwacha.